Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Geek Rant, episode 349, better late than even later, recorded January 17th, February 17th, 2019, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopie.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Drive Time Radio for Geeks. It is not one month in the past. It is actually February. My name is Mark. Occasionally, on very rare moments, known as the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel. And joining me this week, as always, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson, and Miles, the Aussie Junior Wakeham. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Mark, and welcome to the Faithful Opiates. Glad you're here. It's a national emergency. Yes, we need a wall. It's an emergency. I don't even want to go there. No. <laughs> uh, so, Seth, we'll just jump straight to your... Um, I, I, I don't remember if I talked about this movie um, after I watched it, but if I didn't, it's only because there was nothing worth talking about. So tell us what you thought about downsizing the movie. Well, it, this is one of those movies, you know, and of course the, they rare, they often do this, but all of the trailers and everything I saw pitched downsizing as a comedy. A rom-com you know? that. Yeah. yeah a, and it was, it was nothing like that it was i don't know it ended up being to me kind of a dark movie very much slice of life it's just somehow they invented uh you know this technology to shrink you down to action figure size and uh you know it, in spite of all the medical problems there's one line of dialogue that kind of addresses it and then it was just weird and it was like I had a conversation with somebody about a month ago. We were talking about this movie and then I got trapped on the, uh, Amazon list about, you know, all the, I'm, everybody does it. You go in and you just start, well, okay, what are the, what are my movie options? And 20 minutes later, you're still looking through everything. And then, but anyway, I was like, Oh, downsizing. Okay, cool. I'm just going to pick that. I got to get out of this loop. And I watched it and I was like, I, okay, what did I watch? And yeah, it was to me it was sort of like oh what was that movie that had it had like everybody in it gene hackman angela houston um oh the royal tannenbaums it was sort of like that movie but not nearly as funny and i didn't think the royal tannenbaums was funny at all so this was uh i was very let down by this movie that's just not you know so have it on in the background whenever you're leaving the house or something. That's um, that's my recommendation for the film. Yeah, uh, I would say that uh, Matt Damon really went downhill immediately after Goodwill Hunting. Um, he has done some moderately successful things, and he's been moderately successful in a few things. Uh, but he is just not the kind of actor that can carry a movie like that. Um, and the movie was just, it was just weird. Um, and I like weird. It was just not a good weird. There wasn't a good payoff to the weird. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. There, you know, there, there, there was like, um, if you saw what little miss sunshine, that movie was weird, but there was such an awesome payoff at the end. I just, it was like this guffaw laughter that just, for me, how absurd the ending scene was that just, it made the movie worth it. There was, there was nothing at this movie. There was just, you know, this little scene of, uh, Matt Damon making peace with his life finally. And 
that was it. I um spoiler alert. <laughs> You know, there's this one scene where they're shutting, they're they're closing the bunker, and you know, and then you the the horn sound, and you're expecting this big explosion, and it's this little pop, and that was I was expecting this big explosion, and I got a little pop, and that one scene encapsulated. It was like, okay, that that little event made me smile, but it wasn't funny. It was mildly humorous, and that was kind of like the whole movie. So uh, this week was Valentine's Day. Uh, we didn't mention it. Uh, singles Depression yeah, Day. Was, yeah, or Singles Awareness <laughs> Day, whatever you want to call that. And so uh, it was Thursday, you know, middle of the week. Uh, we had kids at home. Actually, one of my kids was home sick that day. So there was no um, romantic dinner out. Uh, actually, we still haven't done that because life, you know, when you're in your mid-40s with kids, you don't have those Valentines and Roses things uh but so we're we're sitting on the couch after the kids went to bed and and uh, my wife's like we need to watch you know a valentine's movie I said, oh because so you want a timeless classic love story um all right how about uh, gladiator or maybe braveheart um uh, she didn't like either of those choices i don't know why because they are in fact the ultimate in classic love stories both uh men who gave everything for the women they loved um but uh instead we settled on true lies so that was our (laughs) thanksgiving our valentine's day uh love movie uh about a man who sacrifices everything for the woman he loves yeah i can see that yeah i'm sure we and then like you know i'm sure there was a hallmark movie somewhere but i'm fortunate enough to have married a woman who likes to watch you know guys blow stuff up sometimes so good stuff there um and miles your wife likes to get hacked yeah it happens i guess um sitting down watching tv i don't think it was valentine's day i think it might have been the the day before and all of a sudden her phone starts ding 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 um emails flooding in hundreds of emails flooding in from all these supposed website forums and shopping uh, commerce things on the web that she had not signed up for, but apparently were now sending her emails saying she had. Um, Not sure exactly how this happened. Next thing you know, PayPal starting to show charges like 800 bucks here and there from different stores. Um, Some of them got immediately rolled back. Some of them did not. We had to contact, you know, get our American Express card changed over that was associated with it, the whole bit. I thought that maybe somehow somebody had gotten into her email um, and they had, you know, like gotten past the password and then had used her email account to register on one service and then, you know, multiply that by a 1,000. Went through my email server logs and there was no evidence whatsoever that this had happened. So it... It looks like what's happened out there is that her name, like we're probably all on some list of hacked, you know, emails. Mm. If you ever go to haveyoubeenpwned.com and search yourself, you'll find yourself on a dozen of them. And I guess that she was on that and somebody had grabbed her email address and probably an old password which didn't work anywhere and um, just used it to register on a bunch of sites and and – the ones that didn't require an email confirmation um, were good enough and they could use her email and credentials and whatever to apply some 
purchase and hopefully get product and return it and get money back or whatever. And Anyway, at least we're on top of it, but this stuff happens. I guess it happens to all of mm. us at one point in a while, but, you know, it's just interesting to see it happen in real time. You, you said something, just a throwaway line there, that you have your eBay, uh, your PayPal account linked to a credit card. Well, you mm-hmm. get various uh, purchase protections from both eBay and from the credit card, uh, PayPal, I keep saying eBay, they used to be the same company, um, from both those companies when you do that. I have my PayPal account linked directly to my bank account, in which case I would not get that protection. I would still have the protection f- that PayPal offers. Uh, so I think at the end of the show, I am going to go change that um, just for that very reason. Yeah. Um I'm not sure how – I mean, we've obviously changed passwords and I made sure she had two-factor authentication and everything, but I'm not exactly sure how they managed to do this. Um, and I I don't necessarily think that this was a flaw in PayPal or even her account or getting access to her account. I think it was more to do with the vendor. Um, it's almost like the vendor was charging things they shouldn't have been doing without proper authority from the customer. So anyway, just be aware. It's important that we all monitor our credit statements and monitor our purchases. And if you see a big flood of emails coming in showing you've been registered. Oh, the interesting thing, funny, (laughs) funny thing, half of the emails were in Russian and the other half were in Chinese. So we're trying to work out where this came from, but clearly it's an Asian or Russian, you know, origination. Quite possibly a botnet, just fully automated. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, well, that's disappointing. Um, <laughs> but uh, some sage advice there from Miles: check your stuff regularly. I I know a lot of people who don't ever check any of their bank accounts ever. And I don't know why. I mean, I don't, I haven't sat down with a check register and, and balanced a checkbook in over 15 years, but I do keep regular tabs on my electronic activities. Um, but, uh, you know, I just don't understand people who just hope all that goes okay. Yeah. Yeah, It's like I, I gave up checkbook registering balancing a couple of years ago, but I always I go into my checking account and I go, yep, no, nothing there. I'm not expecting. Exactly. So. Yeah, that'll work. Right. And I, I frequently ask my wife, what is this? You know, because on, on, if you use a debit card, you, you often will get something. It says like, you know, false staff incorporated when it's the circle K down the street. It's, you know, whoever does their processing. And so um, like every couple of days, I usually have to ask about something. And it's always something my wife did, and, and not because I can't trust my wife, but just because I know what I did, right? I see the amounts, and I see the locations, I know what that is, so I, I have to ask. Um, and that's the modern version of checkbook balancing. Yeah, it really is. And I, I've, before, I've actually called the credit card company and go, I have no idea what that is. And then i like, oh, wait a minute, that was... You know, it was, it was something. So then, you know, a couple of days later, I was like, okay, um, I know what that charge was, but I didn't recognize the name. So you can go ahead and authorize it. So, yeah. um, you know, cause yeah, I figure better, better to make them wait on the money than let something pass that you don't, oh, I'm sure I did something and I forgot it. You know, you don't want to do that. Right. 
All right, so uh, this week uh, we're continuing our financial February theme, and uh, so the way this is working, in case you didn't notice, because we've only done one so far, was Miles took uh, one week, Seth is taking another week, I'll take next week, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about next week, but it'll have something even somewhat vaguely related to finances. Um, And this week I have no idea what Seth's going to talk about, so I can't really give a proper introduction, so Seth, go. Okay, so, you know, okay, financial February and it actually ties in with the title of the show, uh, better late than even later. I had kind of an aha moment. Uh, a few months ago, I was sitting around at work, sitting with a lot of techs that are a lot younger than me going, you know, I'm not like the kid I used to be. I've got to, uh, start, you know, what's my retirement looking like? And I go, I got nothing there. I got nothing there. I got, I was like, Oh crap. So I was like, you know, got to do something. And so, combination of getting my money working for me rather than me working for my money and doing the the vaunted side hustle that everybody is seeking to run with and so you know it's like when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago when's the second best time now uh when's the best time to invest in the market last year kind of thing it's like if you're barely treading water or if you're you know you're a little bit behind or you're worried about the future you need to start doing some things now rather than just wait because you know one of the one of the greatest laws in the financial universe is compounding interest and if you carry a balance on your credit card you understand how much that can steal from you but if you carry a balance in savings you understand how great that can benefit you so you know i mean i've got a little bit in savings and i'm working on that but I wanted, you know, you can't really get out of the rat race working for the man. So I decided, you know, side hustle. And a friend of mine was talking about a coffee shop. And I remembered, you know, the the coffee talk episode that was, I believe, 117 many, many years ago. And I went back and listened. I was like, you know, I, I can do that. I've, al- I've always thought about that ep- episode and and wanted to do it. And the weird thing is I'm the one guy that doesn't like any coffee I've ever tasted. And so here I am, I started a coffee business and, um, you know, and of course I spent some time talking it over with a partner and I, I have a partner. So he's like the, the minority owner. I'm the majority owner because I know me, if it's just me, I'll, I'll have a bad weekend and get fed up and leave. So I get a partner in there to keep me going and to keep me pushing forward. And so you know, there's upfront costs. You're not going to get something for nothing. So I figure we could just kind of maybe have a round table discussion talking about side hustles and running a business while you're still working a job. You know, you hear a lot of people who were in real estate and end up doing that. But for me, I, I, I call this, I call the coffee business, um, free state coffee. That that's what I named it, but I call it my gateway business because it kind of, I don't think this will be the only thing I ever do, but it's my gateway into the financial independence, maybe not retire early, but find the, the fire world. It's kind of getting me to look and do things for myself rather than just kind of deal with what happens. And so, you know, the thing is, there's a lot of money involved. I mean, you can do something, but I'm, I went, I got the LLC taxpayer ID number and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and that, that set back. And then I spent some time testing this brand of coffee, that brand of coffee. What did people think about that? But then there came a time where it's like, okay, I got enough data. I got to start doing something. And so I was like, you know, I took my little testing kit and I'm, I'm selling coffee now. And, you know, I'm not like super rich, but I had, I've, I've already increased my, I've, 
February sales have beat January sales. I broke the hundred dollar barrier. I have a business customer now that that's a bar and hopefully that will grow. Um, but you know, I've got to figure out a way to get production up and that involves buying bigger hardware to go, uh, to go places and do things. So that's, that's what I'm doing and I'm starting now because I don't want to start later when I have even less time. And so, you know, try some things, be willing to fail, be, you know, risk some things and then you can get somewhere. I know that doesn't really, hopefully that's not the end of the conversation or this will be a super short show. But, um, so what do you guys comments on that build off of it? Well, I have a question for you. So what, what happens if the, uh, the side hustle, the, the the coffee we'll just talk about that mm-hmm. doesn't go the way you plan i mean what's what's plan b um you know i don't know because um i'm not sure i'm 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 working on this now and but i'm still saving um in investing money so that way if it doesn't work then i will I will try something else. So, and I mean, and I haven't quit my job. I still have my job and, uh, I'm still working on that as well as doing this. So, and then I'm looking out at other opportunities to see what's out there, but nothing has kind of caught my imagination or fired it like this has. And, and if it ends up where this is never big, but you know, I can sell, to, to coworkers and friends and make a little bit of money, then, you know, Hey, I can, I can do it as a hobby and not as a job and then look for a different side hustle. So, so I I asked that question for a very specific reason. Um, uh, about nine years ago, uh, or so I started a little side hustle with the idea of, uh, making it my, um, second career. Uh, it would be the thing that I retired from doing. Uh, and that was podcasting. And nine years in, I have yet to make any significant money. Uh, it's a thing that I still do because I enjoy doing it, but I, I no longer do eight shows a week. I no longer, uh, um, I have lost the delusions of making money at this. Uh, it is a thing that I enjoy, so I keep doing it, but I no longer expect it to pay off. Um, you're right. And so, you know, one, I have I have come to realize I enjoy the whole process, uh, you know, from the grinding and the measuring and the filtering and all of that is a pro. I super enjoy it, and it's weird, and I don't know why, but I do. But like I say, I I see this has changing my mindset and kind of developing that entrepreneurial spirit rather than just like, Oh, one day closer to retirement. Oh, I got done with that. Oh, come on weekend. Give me some free time. Now it's like, Oh crap, the weekend's coming. I got to get up early and filter some coffee and, you know, may, and, you know, and, and do that kind of stuff. So I, I see this as a gateway into the entrepreneur entrepreneurial type world, because that's, that's never, I mean, maybe it was a long time ago, but for the past years, that's not really been my personality. My personality is let me go there and work this job. Okay. Job's over. Now I got a little free time. And so now it's like, how can I work on sales? How can I work on my product? Uh, what can I do from marketing? Are there any other opportunities out there that would be worth it? You know, do I even just quit my job and, you know, try to open up a coffee shop somewhere and, you know, 
all that kind of stuff. So I, I call this my gateway business. Yeah. Um, uh, just one thing that, that a lot of people think they have a business when really they have a job. They they have a they have a job that they pay to do, uh, or that they're not making any money at. You know the the difference between a business and a and a uh, hobby uh, is you know do you make money? Do you actually? Uh, it's not enough to be self sustaining, right? So if you're making fifty grand a year after you're done with all your expenses, then that's a that's a uh, 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 making a living at it. But right. if you're clearing, you know, just a little bit, you're spending a lot of time. So it, just something to think about uh, when a lot of times people will, will follow their passion, so to speak, and then find that nobody actually wants to pay them for their passion. Uh, Miles is Mr. Side Hustle. I'm interested to see what he has to say about this. Yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, if you don't start something and do something with that spare time and apply it, you know, in some fashion to the journey of life and bettering yourself in whatever you, your pursuits are, uh, you will never encounter the wonderful experiences along the way. And oftentimes those experiences become the mission. You, you don't really know until you're out there. Um, a lot of businesses, business owners that go out have these preconceived ideas about some venture they've pitched, you know, to somebody in the Silicon Valley or this great idea they've always wanted to do and they, they talk to you about it and what do you think of this and what do you think of that? And my attitude is, well, we'll see. You know, I don't know what's going to make bazillion dollars for anybody, but I know one thing, unless they go out there and try, they're never going to encounter maybe the things along the way that might might have made them that money. Um, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't start somewhere. Um, that's kind of my attitude. And so I say all power to you, Seth. I mean, you may discover that this isn't the business that is going to make you, you know, financially independent, but you might just discover along the way that the, the machinery that you use to you know, make the coffee, you discover, you know, this is really poorly done. I can do a better way of this. And then you invent a piece of machinery. And next thing you know, you patent it. And the day after that, you're a bazillionaire because everybody else worked it out, you know, that, that you need, you know, they needed it too. And, you know, you scratch your own itch. Um, that's always how it's worked for me. It's not like I, my first ever entrepreneurial experience when I was a kid isn't what I do today. It's all the things I discovered along the way that, that turned into my businesses. Yeah. And, you know, and like the thing is like right now, if I take what I've done, say the last, for the last three weeks, and if that process, if I stay at that level by the end of the year, I will have paid off like the LLC and the web hosting and stuff. And I will be pretty much broke even at that point. So, you know, it's not like I started a business yesterday. And so tomorrow I'm a millionaire, but I'm, I've been growing slowly and steadily because I am trying to do it on the side. And I, and at this stage, I don't want it to get too big because, you know, it's like, okay, I've got this product, I'm ready to go, and now I'm going to start doing it and see how I can refine it to make it get bigger. And I've already chopped a lot of time off it takes me to do this to allow me to do more going forward, but I kind of hit that moment where it's like, okay, time to launch, and okay, I didn't do much this week, next week I did a little bit more, and then the next week I did a little bit more, and then, hey, one of the bartenders, um, you know, 
I, I, I sell to a couple of bartenders at some bars and then I sell to a manager and then the manager liked it. So she bought some for that bar and we'll see how it goes. I got a follow up meeting with them on Monday. Um, you know, so I, my, even though we incorporated in November and I started kind of giving out samples, I started selling in January and mid February, I had my first business customer and very small, you know, not, not super big, but I, it's growing. And so Monday I'm going to have a follow-up and see how it goes and we'll, we'll go from there. So you know, and that, and that's the thing, you know, you can't wait till you're 59 and build some business so you can retire at 60. So, you know, I'm starting now and is, and at this, at the stage I'm at, I'm making money from this point going forward, not enough to live on, but enough to cover my expenses and put some money in my pocket. So, uh, you know, and then if it if it dries up later, hey, okay. But if it's got me looking at, you know, what can I be doing to maximize my time versus, you know, I, I don't watch near as much TV now. It's amazing how much time that frees up. Um, you know, and also what can I do with my money to get my money working for me? You know, are there good investments out there or are there other things I can buy to, you know, so like I say, this is, this business is teaching me a lot, a lot of stuff I've talked about before, but never, ever done. I'm starting to do. And so, you know, book knowledge is great. And then you try to do it and you're like, Oh, that's what that meant. And by the way, you, I can't find you on Google at all. So really I've been, I've been searching ever since you said free state coffee, various permutations of the url and of the searches and of anderson and of seth and i got nothing so uh, it's it's freestatecoffeellc.com yeah that's so, the website so yeah. right you just might want to spend some time on that I, I recognize that your model right now doesn't involve online and that's fine uh but just thought i'd mention that freestatecoffeellc.com you know, it, it will help whenever i actually get a website up so <laughs> that is and, and you know, and it, every time I've tried, that's been one of those the the paralysis of a thousand choices kind of thing. And so, you know, I mean, I have an email at there, and it's on my business card, and you know, so I can get emails um, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't have much of a website, no, and I can't Facebook. find you because it doesn't exist. Okay, understood. Yeah, I, I have the URL, just not the website. Right. So okay. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I I like the idea of thinking in terms of an entrepreneur um and and entrepreneur really you, you don't even have to go that far uh thinking into as miles has put it uh of selling uh something other than your time uh you don't have to be an inventor you don't have to run a, a, a shop you don't have to make widgets um you're valuable if you're listening to me you're valuable we, we just may not know what that value is yet uh, and I like the idea of thinking along those lines. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, a couple of times on the show that I set a goal for myself in 2019 uh, to make 50 things of some sort. Uh, simple things, complicated things, woodworking things, electronics, things, just make simple things. Um, I did that for a few reasons, not the least of which was um, what can I make that people want to buy? What What is a thing that I might enjoy doing? That also intersects with a thing that people might enjoy buying. Um, 
this is an experimentation process. I've been pretty public about it for that reason. Uh, this week, uh, I spent about 20 hours this week. That's a, you know, that's a, that's a part-time job, um, in the shop making cutting boards out of exotic hardwoods. Um, and I've got a significant expenditure in it because those woods aren't, uh, aren't cheap. And I just threw a, a post out on Facebook. Anybody want one of these? And so far I've got, uh, four people that want to buy one. So that may be a thing where I can, uh, you're, I'm not going to make a living selling cutting boards. You run out of your audience pretty quickly. You know, not right. everybody needs a cutting board and certainly not an artisanal. These are, these are functional art pieces. They're not really something you want to chop a chicken on. They're something you want to put a spread out on at Thanksgiving. Um, so that, that market is pretty small, but it gets me in the mindset of, you know, making a thing, doing a thing I enjoy, finding a market. Um, so, you know, what you're doing now is something that I have sort of led myself to uh, in that I've, I'm, I'm often looking for opportunities, and I often find that I have um, great ideas but poor execution. Uh, and, you know, that's, I think that's probably the, the, uh, the Achilles heel of anybody who wants to start a side hustle. There's lots of reasons not to do something particularly when you're in my stage of life, I've, you know, I've got a full-time, more than full-time job. I've got kids. I've got a family. Um, my time is precious um, and and fleeting, and that's the excuse I, already, I always used, right? But I came on this show and talked about, you know, the 10 hours of altered carbon I watched, uh, you know, with my precious and fleeting time. Uh, clearly, there was time available, that I was just not doing anything useful with. So I like the idea, the mindset of always finding something productive to do with your time. Even if there's not a, a market that you're trying to go to, just not doing nothing will lead to something, I think. I was going to add to that. You said before something very um, important, and that is that you also don't want to create a, a, a job for yourself out of your business because it kind of defeats the purpose. Um, and, you know, to, to sort of support that, uh, I have a, a, a personal trainer who I've gone to for years, really nice guy. Um, he has a, a, a gym that he, at the time when I started going to him, he was sharing with a, another trainer. And this guy was uh, – I guess he was, you know, getting into his late 50s. So he was kind of looking at his exit from the workforce at some point. And they're both um, very devout Christians. And so this, uh, the older guy who wanted to get out was ready to sell his business. And I remember I was having a conversation with them after we did some training and they were just talking about, you know, business. Like, what, what I'm going to sell my business. What should I ask for it? Uh, looking at me like I know. And I said, well, um, let me ask you a question. What's your business worth if you're not there? And he thought, oh, it's worth a lot. You know, I've got all these clients and all this equipment and all this goodwill and all that sort of thing. And I'm like, no, you don't. If you're not there, you've got nothing. And he sort of was taken aback at that. And I said, well, the business is you. You know, you're the reason that business exists, that it's different than somebody else. It's you. And if you take you out of it, there is no business. And I think it was kind of a sad moment for him because he had to come face to face with the fact that he'd done all of this really great work and he'd helped people change their lives. And, you know, he was a great service to the community. But the second he decided to hang up 
his, you know, gloves and go off into the Bahamas or wherever, there wasn't anything to show. And that's the danger I think that a lot of business people face is that they they misunderstand the term entrepreneur, which I personally hate that term because I think it's a term that's used incorrectly, uh, particularly with younger generations. They do not understand it's business and you're out there to make a buck and you work hard and you suffer and you end up working five times more than anybody else. But at the end of the day, if you did it correctly and smart, you'll have something to show for it and something to sell that doesn't require you to be there. If you follow that mantra, you can end up in a pretty good place. But if you follow the mantra that, well, I'm a carpenter or I'm a, um, I don't know, an IT guy or a programmer or I'm a network engineer or I'm a videographer or whatever, therefore I'm a businessman. No, you're not. <laughs> you're just creating a job for yourself in which you pay you rather than the HR department. You know, you've just become your own HR department. So be careful that what you're going to do is truly a business because if you have expectations that maybe one day you'll sell and get out, that without you, the business is, is going to function just dandy and is actually worth something. And, and that's not a bad thing. Creating a job for yourself is not a bad thing. It's a step above people who work for the man, but it is uh, a point that sometimes you don't own a business, you own a job. That That's, you know, if you have Smith and Sons plumbing, so Smith just gave his job to his son. Um, and that, again, that's not a bad thing but it's not a business. When Smith leaves, it's now Smith again. You know, it's Sun Smith instead of Smith and Sons. Uh, and it's not until they have a fleet of trucks and a group of people that they oversee that it's actually a business. And it's important to understand the difference between the two. Otherwise, you get to, you know, the situation like Miles was talking about, you come to the end of it where you want to liquidate your business and find out that there is no business to liquidate. Right. Sometimes, unfortunately, for a lot of self-employed people, that becomes it, – it happens when it's too late and you cannot do anything about it, whereas if you just reoriented yourself at the start, then you can, uh, you can do something. There, there's a guy by the name of Michael Gerber who wrote a book back in, the, I think it's the 90s, called The E-Myth, and I would recommend anybody who's looking to start off on a journey into business that they might want to spend a bit of time reading that one because – He's really the master of how to create a business that can thrive without you being there and how your business has to become systematized from day one. Um, and you can find this book, you know, used for five bucks around the place. It's, it was pretty common in its time, but uh, I would definitely recommend it. Seth, you looked like you were going to say something. I was earlier. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but you know, it, like I say, the important thing is, is to take control of your life, you know? And if, if you if your life is, you want to, you know, you want to work at a job, then you need to take control and invest in the skills that keep you employed. If you want to own a business, you need to invest in yourself. And you know, and a lot of it comes back to what we're saying anyway, you need to learn just about personal finance in general. Um, that when, you know, if, if, if our financial February, you know, theme months convinces one person to learn 
about personal finance and you know how compounding interest affects car payments and house payments and savings rates and credit card charges then you know then we've helped make the world a little bit better place um so if nothing else figure out what you want to do and you know i mean i've it's the same thing it says i've heard this for over 40 years go out and try something you know um and so here i am 46 years old i finally went out and tried something and i'm finding i enjoy it and if if it peters out in six months because ah this cold coffee is great and it's like yeah okay but you know i I don't want the hassle of you know i gotta add what you know or whatever but hey you know hey i tried and failed i lost a little money not the first time in my life i ever lost some money probably won't be the last but Hey, you know, it was cool. And now whenever I meet somebody to talk about, I don't just have, I went to work and came home and fed the goat and cats, you know, now it's like, oh, well, you know, I run this coffee business and, you know, and so now if nothing else, it gives me something to talk about. So, and, and you know, that's worth something. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I finally am trying something here. I am low these many years later. I love that he just dropped in there very casually that he fed the goat because, you know, goat um, is not a word that most people, most Americans use on a regular basis. Fed the goat. Um, It is inspiring, I hope, Seth. I hope your story is inspiring because it is evidence of the fact that it is not too late. Um, You said 46, right? You're 46 years old. Um, Yeah, within a couple of months, same age as I am. a lot of people would consider your opportunities spent at 46 years old or even 56 years older. You know, uh, uh, Colonel Sanders took his social security check to, to open his business. He was in his sixties. Um, there, it is never too late to invest in you. And that's all we're talking about here. We're not necessarily talking about, um, you know, being the next great, whatever, uh, just be the next great you. And if you're if you're working a job, a job that that you don't care about, it doesn't inspire you. It's a it's a, it's you know it's just a thing that you do. You're not investing in you, even if that job pays really well. You know, I, I, one of my good friends often talks about the golden handcuffs. Um, he makes a lot of money doing a job he doesn't like, uh, and he can't go anywhere else and make that kind of money. So he's got he's stuck with that company. Um, that's still. You know, uh, uh, it's still a, a miserable place to be. And sure, you get your golden parachute at the end, but you spent forty years doing something you didn't uh, didn't like. Spend in, invest in yourself. Find out a what you like, b what you're good at, and see what you can do for money. Um, you know, I've never had a a, a lot of um, sympathy for the starving artist. Uh, if you are a starving artist, it's because nobody wants your art. That's just the reality of the world. Uh, and you should go paint buildings and make money. And you can still paint. You can still do a thing. And you can still pursue your passion. But to expect somebody to give you money because no, because the product you make is, is something nobody wants is just a little ridiculous. Go do a thing. And then ideally find somebody to buy the thing that you did. Yeah, so a very, very interesting uh, video this week. Um, it's a Jordan Peterson uh I don't know, interview or something. And I know a lot of people don't like the guy. I I tend to find him as a psychologist. I find him extremely interesting. But uh, he was talking about the psychological study of how the human uh, brain, the human psyche works in regards to pursuit 
of uh, challenges and that it, it's pretty much common knowledge and practice within psychology that if you're out there striving, you're reaching for a challenge, you're, you're trying to uh, achieve something that might take effort, that might push you beyond where you're normally at, but you're in pursuit of something, that from a psychological point of view, you actually are in probably the healthiest place you could ever be even though you might be tired and beat up and worn out by all of the obstacles you've had to deal with and you just need to have a break and all that sort of thing, from a psychological standpoint, you're probably the healthiest you could ever be. When you reach your goal and when you achieve what you stretched out to achieve, whether that be a business thing or art or sport or whatever it might be, and you actually achieve it, that's when all the psychologists get really, really worried about you because at that point when you stop reaching is when you can fall into depression. It's when anxiety kicks in. You can't live on the top of the mountain for very long without feeling like you're going to fall off it. And I think that that's an important message. That see, our, our human DNA, our psyche is to be on a journey towards something, to be stretching, to be trying to reach, to be bettering ourselves or achieving something or mastering a challenge. That's what keeps us um, happy. That's what keeps us centered. And if we take ourselves off that journey, we could be in very dangerous place. So if you're working that job that you're just, you know, you're skating, right? You can just do it with your eyes closed. It's not a challenge. The problem is that you might think you're in a good place because you're secure, you got, you know, money, all that sort of thing. From a psychological standpoint, you are in the most dangerous place you could be and you should be striving to better yourself and reaching beyond where you are. Amen. Good, good stuff. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, you could do more. Yeah. yeah I mean, that- don't overdo it, but yeah. Yeah, I was listening to um, one of the podcasts I listened to, you know, they're interviewing, you know, rich people or interviewing other rich people. But, uh, you know, like this one guy I was talking about, he's like, he achieved the dream that he had, but then he was depressed because he didn't have any other dreams. And so, you know, one of the secrets that he learned was, hey, have a goal that you're working towards, but come up with other goals along the way. So, you you know, if your goal is a million dollars, and that's the only goal you ever have. Well, once you get a million and one, you'll get very depressed. But if, if your goal is a million dollars and when you get close there, then your goal is to open a foundation to, I don't know, you know, give pigs to sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, then when you get a million dollars, then you can fund the foundation. And then, you know, then you can start giving pigs to Africa. And then, you know, later you can teach them how to make bacon. And, you know, then the world will be a utopia. So, you know, don't just like, oh, I got this one thing. I did it. Woohoo. You know, come up with something else to do along the way. So. Hmm. There's a saying that goes, uh, the saddest thing in the world is a shelf full of dusty trophies, and it's true. Once you've done those things and you look back on them and you're proud of them, you you haven't finished. <laughs> Just keep going. That does bring up an interesting question, though, and that's, Seth, what happened this week in history? All right, Mark. Well, I wanted to let you know that on February the 19th, 1971, 
new ground was broken in the criminal justice system when the first warrant is issued to search a computer storage device. So um, although this requirement for obtaining such a warrant, uh, they were similar to those for searching a home, they ushered in a new era that would lead to increasingly sophisticated methods of encryption to hide computer files from law enforcement agencies. And that happened this week in history, Mark, and now back to you. 1971, uh, computer storage devices in 1971 were tapes largely there there were uh large i don't think they were called hard drives they were large data storage devices um but clearly this was not you know something in somebody's bedroom um storage computer storage devices back then unless it was a yeah i can't imagine what it would be but uh that is that's interesting um that uh that thing that we think of as being modern is 47 years old yeah, and eight it's, years it, old. It's older than that because um, there's pictures. Um, you know, IBM the first the first huge storage devices basically took like an airplane to carry mm-hmm. one. They were the size of vehicles, and they held megs of yeah. not gigs, megs of data. Yeah, I, I I didn't mean that the data is that old, but the the fact that the warrant, you know, you think of right. searching a hard drive or searching digital device is sort of a new thing. Maybe 2010, uh, 1997 at the you know at the latest, but two, 19, uh, 1971, um, that was a thing. That's I don't know why that's shocking to me, but it is. Hmm. I a quick aside. Uh, I was at a conference of some sort. This was eight or nine years ago, uh, maybe even longer than that. And this lawyer was telling a story about uh, a time when he had a judge issue uh, a bench order. I don't know what the word for that is, but the judge said, I need you to bring me um, all the data that pertains to X, Y, and Z for this amount of time. And the, 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 defending lawyer got that thrown out because it was a terabyte of data and would have required several 747s uh, to travel that and it was just an unreasonable request and he told that story to you know in like you know 2003 or whatever uh, to a bunch of tech guys and we all just kind of went yeah yeah, terabyte no big deal a couple (laughs) of couple of briefcases and and he was he was stunned because apparently he'd been telling that story for decades and every time he told it to text, they were like, whoa, terabyte of data. But he had just reached that inflection point where that story completely didn't mean anything anymore. Terabyte. Yeah. That's no big deal. So did he check it or did he? <laughs> uh, I, well, I don't know. He just. Uh, no, he, I know. He, I, yeah. But he, uh, he, it was just funny that, that he, he looked at us for like a response and, and we all just kind of, yeah, okay. Uh, anyway. 1971. That's a thing. Uh, so, Seth, what do you have to close us out in style this week in your show closing spectacular? All right. Well, this was uh, this is a brief YouTube video, so it has sound. Um, this was produced by National Geographic, uh, and this is um, they interviewed some super old people who were children of people who fought in the Civil War, and so you know. Wow. Granted, today there's nobody alive uh, who is has a direct connection to there, but this was in the 80s. Um, so, uh, or actually maybe it was uh, just like, this was from 2014, sorry, when they did this. So it wasn't that long ago, you know, and I remember reading a story 
it came out like maybe it might have been 10 years ago where like the last widow of a Civil War soldier died because there was this really young woman who married this really old man um, and then they weren't married very long before he died and she died well towards the close of last century. So, you know, we think of the Civil War as, oh, that was in the 1800s and we're in the 2000s and, you know, and so they're still like, I don't know if these people are still alive, but, you know, I just thought it was cool that here I am watching a YouTube video of somebody who tells the story of their father who fought in the Civil War. And as soon as they get all the uh, Civil War monuments taken down, this video will be erased from the Internet uh, because we have to pretend that war never happened. Right. But they, they talked to one person from the Union uh, and one from the Confederate. So maybe this one will last, you know, a day or two longer. All right. Uh, so this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. Let us know what you think by going to elementop.com and sending, uh, clicking the contact us button at the top of the page. Answer the world's hardest captcha. Uh, fill out the form there and um, uh, that will send me an email that gets priority in my inbox. I will read that before I read all of those offers from Nigerian princes who want to give me money. I uh, Also, you can dial 559-IAM-OPIE. I have no idea what those numbers are. I knew them at one time. Um, and leave us a voicemail. Or you can send an email to geekrant at elementopie.com, and that will go to all three of us, lest you think I am filtering your precious correspondence to the other two. Uh, also, if you would like to make my 10-year-old dream, 9-year-old dream, a reality so that I can quit my day job and be a full-time podcaster, you have that power. You, listener. You are the one who can do that by going to patreon.com slash and throwing gobs of money at me. You can make my dreams come true for only 50 cents a day. What if they don't have gobs but only have oodles of money? Is that still? Hey, whatever you got. Uh, I will take uh, anything you got. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not proud. <laughs> but do uh, we don't do... Uh, um, endorsements we don't do sponsorships we don't do commercials mainly because nobody's interested in sponsoring the show but also uh it helps keep us free to say whatever we want whenever we want and if you appreciate that patreon.com slash element is really the best way to do it there are other ways uh there's a tip jar right there on the website you can send me money via paypal uh you can send me bitcoin um you can uh, use a bicycle courier to send money to my house uh public record search will tell you where that is uh there are lots of ways you can give me money but Patreon.com is the easiest for both of us. So we'd appreciate it if you did that. Seth Miles, any final words of wisdom before we say goodnight? Get out there and go, team. <laughs> You'll be happier. <laughs> All right. Find something to do and do that thing. That is the best wisdom I have to offer you tonight. Night, everybody. That's it for this episode. We'll see you next week on The Geek Grant. And remember... Pay for what you like.